going on folks welcome to another episode of the t-flip show thank you guys so much for watching today is a really really cool unique episode as you'll hear me say here shortly uh, i'm talking with vito skarnekia vito's a super super interesting dude i probably easily one of the most knowledgeable people i've even talked to outside of the podcast here we talk all things from real estate to the market to even a touch of politics you know and and so much more so it was really a lot of fun and I hope you guys really end up enjoying it as much as I did talking to him and learning all the things together. So real quick, one thing, one thing always, I ask you guys of one thing, right? Be a friend and tell a friend. The only way this podcast grows is through you guys, right? I could post all I want, but if you guys are here watching this and hearing me say this right now, send this over to a friend or repost it, or at the very least, it costs nothing to do is leave a like button. If you're on YouTube, leave a like on YouTube, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. So I really thank you guys enough. Without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. So thank you guys very much. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and see you at the end. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the T-Flip Show. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I'm really excited for today's episode. It's rather unique from uh, other episodes and other topics we've had. I'm joined today by Vito Skarnecchia. Vito, Vito excuse me. How are you doing down there? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, I want to just hop right into things. I want you to tell me about yourself, what you do, and why you're here. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, why I'm here, that's a great question. We'll get right? into that in a minute. <laughs> I'm Vito Skarnecchia. I'm a real estate broker. I'm an I'm actually a licensed broker. I work for Compass, and I sell houses. I've been selling houses for about 20 years now, and I do it a lot differently than other people. And so what, what got you into that? Because real estate is a very, very competitive field and to be doing as long as you have, right. it's, you know, you gotta be good at what you do. Right. So how'd you get, uh, how, how'd you end up there? Well, so I was in publishing. I did business to business publishing, sold ads and webinars and all sorts of different things in the business to business space, more electronic engineering, that kind of stuff. And that was fine. It was great and everything. But then, uh, 9-11 happened. Life got a little bit weird and uh, made it really difficult for me to make a living, travel, and that business kind of started collapsing in on, on itself. And my frustration led me to go into real estate. I'm like, you know what, I can do that. That's not gonna be a, prop, a, a big deal, or an, it's gonna be an easy transition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you think going into something completely new, uh, a new industry, a new career, be easy to kind of transition because you know publishing you know marketing you know how to get your name out there and well yeah no it's totally different you have to know you have to get your name out there you have to hustle you have to and it's there's a lot of people out there that do shortcuts and screw people over and i just refuse to ever do that so what i do today is i go on more of an education spree on and teaching people left and right whether you're a first-time buyer a veteran buyer or an investor, we go through a whole process of educating you from start to finish, making sure we have a goal in place before we ever get to the next step, which is actively looking for houses or getting your house sold. Gotcha. And so with all that you have, so sorry, wait, I think I missed this part. How long have you been doing it? You said almost 20 years, almost 20 years. And so you, you went from publishing to real estate and did you, have you always been in the Bay area? Have you always been here? So I was born in Canada, came oh. here when I was seven, which is about 1975, and uh, started off in Oakland. Then I came down here, Campbell, Cupertino, then San Jose, 
And um, I decided after high school I was going to join the Marine Corps. <laughs> so, oh, whoa. That's from left field. <laughs> and <laughs> and I know, another one. <laughs> I know last week you had somebody on that was a Marine veteran, right? Yes. So yes. Uh, I'm a Marine veteran, not a combat veteran. So gotcha. I was in the infantry. However, we were never used during Desert Storm. I was over in Okinawa learning how to drink really well, play volleyball, and scuba dive. There we go. There <laughs> and, we go. And that war, which is probably before you were ever born, was only three days, four days, right? Right. Exactly. So. He, you mentioned the last episode with uh, uh, his name was Nick, Nick Laidlaw. Uh, he said that it got to a point for him where you kind of hinted at or implied was is that they're playing war in the woods, which sounds so silly and childish in a way, but it was just a lot of training. And it got to a point where he said he wasn't seeing anything as an infantry, you know, so you sign up for, you feel like you're not doing your job. So I know that's where it was for him. I don't know if you felt the same in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Even to this day, I go out and hang out with my buddies that are around that I served with. uh, And, you know, I, I catch up with them, make sure they're doing okay and check in with them because we all have that same feeling. We never got to see combat. As crazy and ludicrous as that might right. sound, nobody ever wants to get shot at. No, no. But when you go into the Marine Corps, you get brainwashed. <laughs> yes, it's exactly. Right? You become a warrior, and your 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 whole mindset, your whole ethos is about going out and and going to war. Yep. And I call it giving up my ghost. And I'm I've been out longer than I was in. I was in for twelve years, and I think I've been out more than twenty years now. I still think about it every day. I mm-hmm. wish I could go back in and prove my mettle. Right. Never got to do that. I, it makes sense. It really does. And for someone like myself, I can't really say I understand because I haven't been in that position. But nonetheless, to be able to say that, you know, it's not like you didn't earn your stripes, you know, or it didn't prove your worth. It's kind of what you're saying, right? If right. I understand. But you still did it. I mean, 12 years. That's incredible. So regardless, I mean. It's good times and good memories, I would assume, <laughs> yeah. right? That's what you're getting good at. Good friends. So. And, you know, that's the thing I kept telling myself. When 9-11 happened, we had a boy. And I was like, mm, I can go watch this kid get become a, 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 an adult, right? Because he's 19 now. I can watch him grow up or I can go back in. I actually saw my commanding officer and he tapped on me on the shoulder and said, I'm going back to Afghanistan for special operations i'd love for you to come and join me i'm like wow but that was uh when my wife was in the hospital with twins (laughs) oh that's a big (laughs) shift right there right so Uh i went from having one son to having opportunity to go to combat doing something that you know again i'm brainwashed and once you become brainwashed you're always going to be brainwashed. (laughs) (laughs) and then when my ceo says hey i want you to come with me and i was like that's such an honor but, you know, I know my wife would have fired me in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? That would have been trouble real quick. <laughs> and so I chose to become a parent and be a, a father. Well, that's awesome. And I think that's something that, you know, you'll never regret doing. Well, there, I'm sure there's stuff that you'd want from, you know, the military and had more time and do more. But the time with your kids, I would imagine, is invaluable. Yeah. You know? Those are the memories, right? Yeah, exactly. You can't put a price tag on that. Right. My son is getting ready to move out, go to Chico and get his own apartment, become his own man. Mm-hmm. And my girls are learning how to drive. And, you know, you get to watch them from crawling, falling down the steps to crawling to, <laughs> you know, getting out of diapers. And, and now they're teenagers, so they hate me because, uh-huh. you know, it's that, they, time. it's that time. They're uh-huh. they're 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 
jumping out of the nest, right? It's a natural sure. progression. Yep. And, you know, they're like yesterday, today's Monday. Yesterday, yeah, like <laughs> we were coming home from church and my daughter's like, hey, how come we never go driving? You should take me driving. I'm like, and we pulled over to a parking lot and we drove for about an hour. That's right? awesome. I couldn't do that if I was over in Afghanistan. Exactly. Right. It's a totally different life for the your kids, more importantly, not just you, the kids. They don't even realize, you know, what it would be like if right. dad wasn't around. He was in the military. So right. Right. most definitely. So I, I want to kind of give out. I, I loved hearing that. I want to focus a little bit on real estate. So I want to be educated here. Sure. I, I haven't. It's so especially here in California. For my listeners who don't know, I'm, I'm from California, live in California. That's where our studio is here. But point is, is that, you know, California is a crazy, crazy market right now, especially in the Bay Area. I mean, I feel like the prices for a young guy like myself, the price tags on some of these homes are unfathomable. And I, it's like, why? How does this happen? How does it get to this point? I hear my parents buying their home for dirt nothing, and now it's worth $2.5 million, whatever it is, right? Right. So understand that this has been a firestorm throughout the nation and Canada and almost globally, mm-hmm. right? This thing where everybody's like, I can become a landlord. I can invest in property. And yes. what happens is all of this becomes a, a heat, a, a dead end race for getting as much property as you can mm-hmm. without as much, with as little margin as you can, right? right. So. The, the question you're asking is like, how do you how do you buy a house right now? I mean, how am I going to afford to put 20% down on a one and a half million dollar house? Right. Well, that's that's the going rate right now for for San Jose or you mm-hmm. know the Silicon Valley. The average cost. I think what we're seeing here is a little bit of a slowdown. Rates have been going up. They're planning on going up. The rate the Feds are going to testify again July 20th. And in preparation for that, we're looking at another three quarter of a percent in raise. So right now we're like technically we're six and a half. So it's going to get it over seven percent. However, that's the going rate. That's the prime rate, right? So typically there's discounts, etc. And what we're seeing is it's really like five and five and an eighth. So five point one one is the going rate for a million dollar loan. <laughs> it's funny for me to say it's a million dollar loan. I've been doing this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's just like a normal thing for us now, right? Right. Um, you, can, <clears throat> you can buy down the rate. You can do all sorts of things to help mitigate that huge, ama- amazing cost. The one thing you do need to have is a down payment, mm-hmm. right? Now we have a few different loans that are available to us. As you as a first time buyer, you have FHA, that's three and a half percent down. Mm-hmm. If you're a veteran, you have VA, which is zero percent down. We have USDA, which is zero percent down for civilians or whoever, as long as you move into more uh, agrarian area like Hollister. Okay. So most of Hollister is USDA certified, I mean, which means right. you can buy a house zero percent down but it has to meet certain habitability requirements it has to go through an inspection make sure that the plumbing works that the heating works that the air conditioning works there's no holes in the floors or walls that kind of thing so and what differentiates that for places like hollister for example you're saying like so hollister has been certified well it's not certified it's just been designated as usda loans just usda is you know the same people that grade the beef that you eat mm-hmm. and they work with farmers to help understand the whole process of of using their land for income 
Okay. Whether they're growing beef or plants or chicken or whatever. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. And USDA also has a forestry service and all that other stuff, but they have a USDA loan. Most lender, most loan brokers will be able to teach you about what you can and can't do on their strengths and weaknesses of their USDA product. Gotcha. Loan product. Yeah. I don't do loans. I just, I've been doing this so long. Yeah. <laughs> you right. Know, I just, I you just have the knowledge to, on it because you're exposed to it. Whether you do it or not, you're exposed to it. You right? have to be able to explain it to people, right? Yep. And then, you know, most of it is, this is the information that I have. Let's talk, have you talk to my, lend, my loan guy and make sure that you understand what the process is. Mm-hmm. If you can come down with 20% down and you have closing costs and you have enough money to repair stuff, all that kind of stuff, all those little points, you're, you're still looking at like $250,000, $300,000 to buy a million dollar house. Right. Makes it a lot more achievable to some extent, right? So with the FHA and USDA, you have a less of a down payment. You still have closing costs. You still have to have repairs done. You still have to make sure it's habitable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can get into a house. Okay. Gotcha. Right? Now there's three different types. of Well, there's four different types of houses. But really what we look at are single family homes townhouses and condos and then you have like mobile homes and other things like that and typically what we say if we're a first-time buyer we work with people on getting them either in Hollister a first-time buyer house out there or out in the country you can buy a house out in Aromas or Royal Oak and still buy a house under eight hundred thousand dollars there's houses out there that are a million dollars but you know that's the going rate right now yeah if you need to stay here um, you can still buy uh, houses under a million dollars on the east side of San Jose. And I can't say anything bad about it because that would be redlining or steering. And I'm not allowed to do anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but um, you can also buy condos and townhouses, which are traditionally sm- uh, less expensive. Mm-hmm. For a while there, for about two years, they were on parity, meaning they were about the same price per square foot as single family houses. Oh. When you break down a house and it's a million dollars and it's X is, you know, $900 per square foot, townhouses and condos got that expensive as well. I see. Now that's kind of coming down. Gotcha. I feel like with, if you had to put a number on how many homes that you've seen in your career, it's probably an absurd number, but put a number on it. What would you say it'd be? Mm, six or 7,000. That's less than I was expecting. Honestly, actually, I don't know why I was expecting. Uh, still, I guess that's a lot. It's, right. Anyways, point is, though, is what I was getting at, is out of the homes you've seen, I'm sure you've seen some quite crazy things before they go from buyer. At first, you know, as listed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you Have you had any of those cases where someone's like, oh, it's a great home. Then you go see it and you're like, hang on. It's like, oh, what's that smell? Or right. I, uh, if you go to my Facebook or you can go to your Facebook and Type in hashtag R-E-W-T-F. I've seen some of your posts. <laughs> yes. Okay. Those are actually contributions, and I have many sources from all over the globe for these. So a lot of, 90% of them are not mine, the okay. ones that I actually go to. But I do see houses that are falling apart. They have massive rot. They're just laid out incorrectly. They've done all sorts of weird, crazy things. But people have their own taste, right? Right. Sure. And like, I just got one from a buddy of mine that was like a red room and it had lingerie, all sorts of weird stuff. I'm like, why are you sending me this? (laughs) Where are you right now? (laughs) Does Liz know about this? I mean, come on, dude. Are you trying to tell me something? (laughs) No kidding. I know. (laughs) 
I think the most I, you just posted on your Facebook. I think just I don't know, maybe it's day or so ago. I could be wrong on that, but point is, is that I think it was like a picture of a basement. And there's a, a an above ground inflatable pool. <laughs> an inflatable pool. Yes, in the middle of the room. Real estate, what the bleep? Right? Yeah, right. I mean, what are you thinking? I know. You put something down, and it, it doesn't even matter if it's a garage or if it's a it's a, a you know a house or a room or whatever. You have a big 500 gallon tank of water. You're gonna have mold and mildew issues. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. No matter how you look at it, no matter, I don't care how many moisture absorbers you have or how much, uh, you know, ventilation you have, you're still mm-hmm. going to have issues. Still going to have the issues. I know some people, it's like what, the lack of thought process. So you call it taste. Right? I think it's respectable and <laughs> modest of you, but I'll get to the point. I think you're nuts. What are you thinking? I real quick story. I thought about as You're talking about homes and all the crazy people. This is a true story. Maybe we'll find a way you can post this on your Facebook. You use it. Well, my parents bought the home that they're in now, and they went first time to see it. My folks pull up, and mom immediately says, I'm not going in that. Nope. The weeds all the way up. House looks a wreck. My dad goes inside with the realtor, and then the, the lady was there, the homeowner, and they're showing them around. And and all she had really for space was you go through the front door of the living room, and all there was was the TV, the chair maybe three feet away from it, and just trash and junk everywhere. And then And then a walkway. To the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get to the kitchen and she goes, okay, please mind your step. These are my friends here. So just be very careful. Friends? My da- friends, dad looks down and it's a line of ants. She calls her friends ants. She goes, every being has its purpose on earth. And you know, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not one to judge, you know, some, <laughs> I don't know the exact quote. Point is, is like this lady's talking about the ants here and she wants to, and to make sure step over them. You know, and of course they respected her just at that sure. time, but still that gives you an idea. It's sad. Cause obviously that's a mental issue thing, sadly enough, but there's people like that, you know, between hoarding and then the trash and rodents, whatever it may be. So I'm sure you've seen that quite a bit. It's far more abundant than you think. It's, I see it quite a bit. I mean, not, not like all the time, but maybe once a year, mm-hmm. One of the first times I ever did it, I just got into the market. I can, I can still remember the smell. <laughs> oh, no. It must be that 20 bad. years ago. Uh-huh. Right? We were walking around, and this guy had to go into this house. And I walked in. It was one of those houses that had newspapers stacked up, up to the ceiling. And you had to walk through sideways, shimmy like this. Wow. And there was so much smoke, because the guy smoked like 20 packs a day, mm-hmm. that you could see levels of thickness of smoke as as it got what? as it went higher it got thicker and thicker and thicker it was just disgusting so i went in there for like two three minutes i'm like i can't handle this is disgusting you need a respirator <laughs> yeah yeah that's I mean, nuts i'm like i'm not putting myself up to this i don't care <laughs> yeah i'm like dude we really shouldn't be buying houses like this what so, go ahead have you gotten to the point where you've had a, a potential buyer and you have to kind of almost warn them like okay you know this might be a little rough but you know Tell them, like, think about what it could be. Have you had that? <clears throat> Sometimes I show them the potential, but a lot of times my job is to show them the potential problems, the pitfalls. For example, mm. I was up in Hayward, and, you know, that Hayward kind of has a little valley hills, and we were at this house, and it was a beautiful house, gorgeous house. And the lady was there. We were talking to her. Uh, her son went to San Jose State. We were just, you know, hanging out, having a good time talking to her. And I'm like, this is a really great house. I wonder why it's so priced so well. Because, you know, this was a, a veteran loan. And we had to make sure that it wasn't super expensive at the time. We're walking through. 
And the more time I spent there, the more time I started seeing little tiny pitfalls. So I went outside and I saw the deck was completely it eaten by by termites oh wow then i started looking at joist systems and the foundation and there was major cracks in the foundation and the joists and the rafters had massive water damage and all sorts of issues and then i kept on seeing the floor do this like a big wavy wave yeah. thing like that that's just really really weird but then i'm like you know we're on top we're on the side of a hill yeah right right yeah and i'm like i'm like hey buyer i'm not gonna say his name I'm going to go upstairs real quick and check something out. Well, the way the house was situated was the front of the house was at on the top part of the hill. So the driveway was here. It's a dead end. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the rest of the house was down here. So you had to walk downstairs to the living room, etc. And there was a three inch gap from the dry, from the street to the driveway. So what, what was happening is the whole house, house the entire com- house was slipping down the hill oh my gosh like, and just ever so slowly I'm like hey buyer dude come here check this out you're not buying this house yeah <laughs> oh my god how right? long do you think something like that takes to do i mean three inch oh. gap for something like that it sounds small but still i mean it's a whole home it could be it depends on the foundation how far down the piers go it depends on a lot of things uh-huh. right there's could be rain it could be erosion problems it could be all sorts it could be a, a year problem mm-hmm. or it could be a 20 year problem and, you know, that's the kind of thing that I'm going to look out for. I would rather spend two, three, four months looking around at different houses, making sure that we don't buy a problem for you. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, that's really neat to hear that because I feel like, and given, again, no exposure for me to other real estate agents, but it comes down to I feel like what you hear is that a lot of real estate agents are looking for the sell. They just, you know, not necessarily want to show you the problems. They want to make the sale. Mm-mm. And it's uh, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I feel like that's what I've heard. And for you to say that's what you do is that you're not there to sell them. You want to show them that okay, no future problems for you. I want you to be happy with what you got. Right. No house is perfect. You have to understand right. that. But right. You know, I've been doing this long enough that I know how to look for severe problems. And again, I'm not. Yes, I'm. That's how I'm compensated. But I sell enough houses every year that I don't worry about individual people, individual sales. I know that my business is going to come to me because I've been doing the marketing because I come from marketing mm-hmm. and I know that that REWTF hashtag, that uh-huh. brings me business, believe it or not. And I do video, foundational videos on YouTube and people call me up and say, hey, Vito, saw your video. I like what you have to say. Sell my house. And wow. it makes me feel good knowing that I'm a a giving part of community yeah the community not the ones that are just taking 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 right i love yeah. that that's awesome Vito. yeah so you mentioned youtube i think this is a perfect segue transition into i want to talk about you have your own podcast you have your own youtube channel i do introduce it tell tell everyone and myself about your show and sure what it is sure well again i have my own channel it's called silicon valley living and the whole purpose of that is enjoying living in silicon valley although it's super expensive and yes there's some serious problems that we have. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we do that we have fun here. I mean, it's a fun place to live, right? Definitely, yeah. And we're very short distances to skiing, to water skiing, to surf, to all sorts of different things. We have Yosemite, we have all sorts of things. So my intention is just to consistently talk about all the great things of living here in the Silicon Valley, right? And I also have another channel that talks about leaving California. Ah. <laughs> it talks about the problems and you know issues like that. 
a lot of my businesses of people going, hey, I'm done with California. I'm done with the high taxes. I'm done with, you know, the politics. And I'm, I don't vote either way. I'm right down smack dab in the middle. I'm done with, you know, $7 a gallon for gas or what have yeah. you. And, you know, a lot of that channel is all about if you move to a different state, we have certain things here in our state that we enjoy that nobody else has. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, we have this thing called Proposition 13. So when you buy a house, let's say your grandmother uh, bought a house 50 years ago for, say, $50,000. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, she's paying taxes on $50,000, the assessed value of $50,000. Well, over years, the value goes up and up and up. Now it's worth $2 million. Mm-hmm. Right? We have Proposition 13 says that they can only increase the value, the assessed value, 2% every year. Whereas other states, that's not the case? Right. So your grandmother is enjoying paying $2,000 for a $50,000 house that she paid for 50 years ago. That's now worth $2 million. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I went to buy it today, it would cost me $25,000 a year in property tax. Interesting. And in, in Texas and... Every other state, every other state, they don't have anything like Proposition 13, which makes it really difficult for people to move out. And all of a sudden they realize, holy crap, <laughs> I'm tripling my taxes. <laughs> all right. So you go to Texas and the property tax is actually two and a half times more than what it is here. Wow. Depending on the area, because right. the property tax that they raise there, that that tax, that the revenue goes into building big high schools, big schools. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of money that goes into schools and paving out the roads, etc. Where here, that money kind of just gets, you know, spread around really thin because there's a lot of stuff going on here. Sure, there's right? a lot. You know, and, and uh, I don't know what it would be, but if uh, right, in, I think tw- 2020, the revenue that property tax brought in for Santa Clara was $500 million. Wow. But that goes to pay for, you know, corrections, sheriff, mm-hmm. fire, school. Thins out quick. It thins out quick. And it's yeah. supposed to go for roads and codes. But, you know, again, we have some of the worst roads here in California compared yes. to other states. Yes. So <laughs> you, I, I think that I'm really curious actually to hear your take here about because you talk about leaving and people coming or staying, whatever it may be. And then you bring up Texas. So I just had it seems the trend right now is. Everyone's leaving California. That's how it seems. Whether that's true or not, that's how it seems. I just had the opportunity to go to Texas recently. And I thought, I don't know what my expectation was going to Austin, Texas. I thought it was, I don't know, not, not some little smoky little cowboy town. But still, you know, I, I was expecting a little spread out land and everything like that. Especially in the city, it, that is so contrary to belief. Right. If right. you go to downtown Austin right now, you would think that you're in... Santan Row, downtown San Jose. It's you know? a fun town. It, it's, a, it's a fun town. It's beautiful. It's a lot of fun. And, but it has the same amount of homeless and everything yep. like we have here, <laughs> you know? And people think, oh, Texas doesn't have that, you know, oh, yeah. this and that. But it's so not it. And the infrastructure is blowing up like no tomorrow because, I mean, they have to keep up with how many people are moving there right now. So, and a lot of the longtime Texas locals and natives are getting kind of pissed off about it. Like, you know, we don't want you guys, especially the Californians. So, what do you have to say for the people who are so like headstrong on going to Texas, for example? Is it really a smart move? Is it not? I mean, because it seems like it's not going anywhere. <clears throat> so I have friends that move, and unless you're independently wealthy and it doesn't really matter, people that are 
being paid a living wage, whether you're a, a professor at school, at a college or what have you, it's pretty much equal. Mm -hmm. I just got back from Cape Coral, Florida for the exact same purpose where I'm investigating different areas for right. investment. Right. Uh huh. And yes, it was $2 a gallon cheaper <laughs> in gas, uh, but you have toll roads. Uh huh. You don't have income tax like Texas, but you have higher property tax and you have up and down swings in mm -hmm. property tax. Uh, food is the same. It's the exact same, right? Mm -hmm. It's like $5 or $4 a gallon for gas. I mean, for milk, it's the same thing, right? Whatever the food there, the restaurants are going to be the same price. So cost of living wise on the whole, it's pretty much the same except for you don't have income tax, but you have property tax. And then you, you know, Healthcare is about the same because it's all on par. Uh, and they do have something in Texas. They have something. I know that they have something called homesteading and they call it different, something like homesteading. But once you get to 55 or 65, then the house that you bought uh, freezes in assessment. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's 65. I'm pretty sure it's that so let's say you bought a house for fifty thousand dollars and now it's worth a million dollars because texas just recently started appreciating crazy right mm -hmm. so now it's worth a million dollars well that person who's 70 years old who's on a fixed income their property tax gets locked in once they turn 65 so that doesn't go up anymore or it doesn't see. go down so that's a benefit i don't think they have anything like that in florida um but it really is dependent on what your lifestyle is. Mm -hmm. If you're going to move to a different state, I would suggest highly to spend a lot of time, not just a week there. But a lot of time knowing what your new go, lifestyle will be. Right. Go back there multiple times and understand what it's like. See what your friends, friends would be like. And Austin's a very progressive town, right? Just like yeah. most, of, most of California is fairly pro progressive, right? Outside of there, you're kind of you need to watch what you say versus yeah. over here. Conservatives need to watch what they say. Right. right? I know. So and that's kind of been my problem here is you can't really say anything here, but you can't say anything over there either. So I'm kind of finding a place that is somewhere in the middle. That's mm -hmm. not so divisive on either side. And, you know, Florida, they're very conservative for the most part. Uh -huh. And that's, it's okay. But you know, it used to be a swing state, so it was very back and forth. Yeah. So you can pretty much say what you want, but now it's very red. So, I mean, I don't know what somebody from California would want to do going to Florida. Right. It's, it's a big change no matter what, I think, where you're going. You know, yeah. some better than others, but I think it's a big change. Um, it's this. I think this is what I was trying to get at is with this is that is there as many people moving to Texas as it feels and says to be being in real estate and seeing people going. So we had a net Delta, I think of uh, 270,000 people moving out of California last year, which mm -hmm. was the most ever, mm -hmm. but historically it ebbs and flows. Everything is always ebbed and flows. Yes, right. Right. In the seventies and the sixties, it was like born, what have you. We still have a ton of people coming here to live. Mm -hmm. We have the other part about Texas and Florida is more people are on minimum wage versus California. Right. And California has $18, $17, something like whatever that. minimum wage. Texas is still 
relatively low. Uh, Florida has this agreement saying it's $10 now, but every year they're going to increase it a dollar. Oh, right. So it'll get up to the federal 15 or 60, whatever it is eventually. Mm -hmm. But all that puts a a stress on everybody else. Cost of living goes up. Everything else eventually goes up, which is what we're fighting right now. We're seeing massive inflation. Huge. Right. Yeah. Historically, the most ever any I mean, at any time. And this isn't just a U.S. problem. This is a global problem. Is it really? What makes it a how does it make it more of a global problem? Where are we seeing it elsewhere? In what ways? Because I thought it was just the United States. Oh, no, 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 no. no. um, Well, Boris Johnson, the the prime minister of England, just resigned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trudeau is being talked to about leaving. But Canada is starting to have housing issues. New Zealand is starting to have housing issues. We're assuming that Australia is going to have housing issues, meaning that we're going to go into a recession. Yeah. Uh, China, who is you know a major contributor and buyer of housing here, but their economy is starting to shudder a little bit. Um, and we're seeing the stock market dwindle, right? So, <coughs> and on my <laughs> plug here, on my live channel on every Wednesday, I have a live I'm talking about the tea leaves. I just I read the tea leaves talking about what could happen, what couldn't happen, you know, what possibly what's good and bad and let you come up with an educated guess on yourself. So I dig deep into what's going on. For example, did you know that we're seeing a problem with subprime auto loans in the U.S.? I didn't know. Right. So how many people do you know your age are driving around seventy five thousand hundred thousand dollar SUVs. Zip. <laughs> None. <laughs> but there's there's people that get into it and they're financially not really available to do that, right? right. They shouldn't be buying that. And they, they get well, they get into maybe a fifty thousand dollar car, but they still shouldn't afford that. Right. right. They should yeah. buy a clunker and you know, I drove around a clunker. I drove around many clunkers uh-huh. until I could afford it. Right. Right. Yeah. It was two thousand seventeen when I bought my first truck. Yeah. Brand new truck, right? Mm-hmm. I'm you know, I'm older. So I, I live a conservative lifestyle. So I see a lot of things that are going on within the economy. The, the rates are going up. Inflations are going up. Stock market's going down. Mm-hmm. So every time you see the stock market going down, like Netflix right now. Oh, by the way, if you ever want to invest in real estate, I mean, invest in stocks, call me and I'll tell you what I invested in two days ago and the stock that I buy will be down 30, 40% and you'll have a great buy. It just happens every time I do it's this. how it works. Netflix, Facebook, it's all uh-huh. my fault. It's all, always Vita's fault. So I have buyers that work for Facebook and Netflix and you know all these other companies and they're like, Vito, my down payment just disappeared into nothing. Mm-hmm. So they're out of the market. We have 18 million people because of the last increase in, in rates, they've exited the buying, home buying market, which means there, there's less buyers, supply is going up. And if you know economics 101, that means prices are set to go down. Right. 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 There's still plenty of people buying here in, in the, the Silicon Valley and the North, North, Cal, North Carolina or Carolina, North California, that it will slow down a little bit, maybe go down just a tad bit, but other areas like destination areas like Las Vegas or uh, Phoenix or Miami, where people bought houses on spec or on margin and they over leveraged themselves and bought 
houses there so they can Airbnb it. Mm-hmm. Well, now that there's everybody's jumping onto the Airbnb bandwagon in a place that has an equilibrium or a natural sales mo- sales funnel of a hundred units a night. Now they have three, four, five, a thousand units available for sale. So there's so much supply and not enough demand right. that those month, those nightly costs are going to go down and down and down until they have to rush out and sell them. Right. Get out of there. Right. That's and that's what happened in 2008, not on Airbnb, but people were buying houses on, on margin and they mm-hmm. over leveraged themselves. They're like, Oh, I can just buy a house, no money down. Don't worry about my credit. Don't worry about my job. As long as I can fog a mirror, I can buy a house. Hmm. And that got us into a massive amount of trouble. We had people buying houses that shouldn't have bought houses. We're having people buy house, buy cars that shouldn't buy cars right mm-hmm. now. We have people buying houses for Airbnb that shouldn't be doing, be, be doing that right now. And that's where we're going to have some serious issues. Not here, but in destination areas like right. Vegas. Yeah. Are we really on as close to a recession as they say we are? Or do you think there's a chance that it might level out, hopefully? So I think uh, last week or the week before, Atlanta Fed announced that we're officially in, in, a, fl- in a recession. Hmm. And a recession is two, uh, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, mm-hmm. meaning consumer purchasing has gone down more so than what was expected. So people are buying less than what's expected to overly simplify it. Correct. People okay. are buying less, right? You have what you want, like Slurpees. Happy uh-huh. Slurpee Day. Yeah, happy 7-Eleven, huh? <laughs> hey. <laughs> you have people buying computers. You have people buying microphones and cameras. Yep. Those are really wants. Unless you're yes. in the business where, you know, like I have a video editing business or post-production business as well that does all the post-production editing, cutting, putting graphics and all that stuff. I, it's part of my business to have cameras and lights and microphones. You have a podcast, Mm -hmm. right? And your intention is to, I don't know if you are or not, but to monetize it so that you make this as as a living. This is an investment. This is part of your need structure, right? But you also have health, you have food, you have not necessary clothes, but you have basic clothing, right? Toothpaste, all that kind of stuff. Those are needs, right? Right. In an economy when you're slowing down the sale or the consumption of wants versus needs, that's when we're going to run into recession. So and I feel like it's really easy to throw around the word recession, especially for younger people like me who don't quite realize the weight of what the word carries and what comes with it. Can you educate myself and others a little bit what comes with a recession? Sure. This is why you should attend my Wednesday. Exactly. No, and I love this. Exactly. <laughs> Wednesday so video. plug it. Absolutely. Um, and it's really, it's just me talking about what's going on. I show you numbers and such. Yeah. Right? Economics 101 is supply and demand, right? People need to buy something or want to buy something. Gas, food, whatever. Those are needs. Those are necessities, right? They're commodities, but they're still necessities. When, when that gets so high and expensive, people can't afford to buy gas, mm-hmm. then you're running into trouble. That's inflationary, right? What we want to have is a balanced economy. And because houses have gone so expensive and they're so out of the norm of, if you look at the graph over the last hundred years of house, house prices, it's done this little wag, right? Mm-hmm. 
right? And then 70s started doing this, 80s did this, and then we had the 90s when we had the dot-com bust and went down. And you see this big wag up and down, going up and down, right? Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing now is one of the biggest wags that the global economy has ever had. And what could possibly happen? Stock market is going to be a major indicator. You're going to see housing prices in places like Las Vegas, which what we're calling the canary in a coal mine. If you see prices in Las Vegas lower, that means there's going to be some serious turmoil in the housing market. But com consumers are going to stop buying need or wants, period, mm -hmm. right? The, the stock market closes down. When the stock market goes down, Netflix starts, I'm not saying Netflix exactly, but it could be, sure. it could be Intel, it could be Facebook, it could be a whole slew of different companies. When their stock goes down and they have to report their loss of sales or revenues to the stockholders, the only way they can save face is by laying off people. Right. Which is going to make it hard for you as a young person because you're struggling to finish college and then find an internship and find a, your career path. Right. Yeah. Right. Meaning it's going to be harder to find a job right yep. now. Jobs are super plentiful. Yep. The dime a dozen. Right. Yeah. People are companies are begging people to come to work. Yeah. That's going to change in the next six months. If our recession gets worse, if inflation gets worse, if the housing market goes down. Right. Right now, it's so expensive to have people do work. You're paying an average of about $120 an hour for construction people to come in and do work. Mm -hmm. Part of what we do is we take a house and we fix it up, repairs, some minor remodels, etc. And the cost of that has gotten astronomical. So, yeah. um, sorry, all these different things are major indicators that we're hedging up on a major inflation but there's nothing keeping us up there. There's nothing to substantiate the value of paying seven or eight dollars for lumber, which has gone down recently because has, demand has, <laughs> has waned, right? Right. That's another indicator that the waning of demand of high cost commodities like lumber has or is going down because the, the need has gone away. Right. It means construction is gonna stop working. If you look at new housing, if you look like you know, you can buy an older house or a resale house, like a house like mine is 50 years old or one that's a couple years old that's still considered resale. Mm -hmm. Brand new housing communities, they're stopping any new building, meaning any kind of new permits that they're going to they're gonna buy this hunk of land and eventually d develop on it. Well, their plan right now is to stop planning on it whatsoever because of cost of lumber, cost of, well, when I say lumber, I'm talking about everything that goes inside everything. of a house. Right, right. Cost of labor, cost of permits, cost of legal, cost of sales, cost of everything is just, they're not gonna make enough profit per unit, per house that they sell. So they're just gonna say, I'm stopping until the, the business model makes sense. So is that when driving around town, you see these basically open lots or fields with just fencing around them, empty yep. Yep. for months is what that is, Yep. holding out. In 2008, when it happened to us, when you can fog up a mirror, because we had nothing against waitresses, but waitresses buying seven or eight houses at a clip, hmm. which they had absolutely zero. I, I mean, nobody has any, unless you're independently wealthy or you have a hedge fund backing you, there's no reason you should be buying seven houses at a time, right? 
when that market collapsed, we saw housing communities just get desolated and decimated. Mm -hmm. We have places like in Patterson, which is on the opposite side of this little hill crest that we live on right here in the Central Valley. And they put on, I want to say, eight or nine square miles of new homes. Hmm. Miles of new homes. Yeah. And everybody just left that market because they were buying houses for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars at a pop. And when 2008 happened, they went down to like 150. So they just jumped out of the market and said, see you later. I'm out. I'm gone. And it was just a, a wild forest of new homes with overgrown weeds everywhere. Because there's not enough buyers, right? Is that what buyers I'm Buyers exited saying? the market. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. And then the, it, was when, <laughs> it was when the feds came up and said, hey, you guys are doing uh, unethical or... Um, the wrong kind of lending you're lending to the wrong people you need to start minding your p's and q's and all of a sudden the banks are like oh we're doing everything the right way and they start tightening up their guidelines is what we look at right mm -hmm. guidelines like your credit your job your history reserves how much money you have down all that stuff they're like oh now all of a sudden instead of making it so a waitress could buy a house you need to be a, a post phd doctorate that's making four hundred thousand dollars a year in order to fund a loan so we got the polar opposites to some extent and right. where you want to be as that middle ground in the perfect world. Am I understanding that? Right. Okay. So there's going to be a time in the next couple of months where not here again, but like in Vegas and whatever you have enough money and reserves and you're, you're set up to buy houses at a discount compared to what they are right now. Cause the mm -hmm. average house in Vegas is, let's say it's 500,000 it's going to get down to 200. What makes Vegas such a big vocal, uh, focal point, excuse me, uh, on that? I feel like you've brought it up a few times. Why, why is Vegas so important, something to look at for the housing and what's going to happen? Uh, proximity to California, where all the big VC money is. And when people oh. have big VC money, they have a lot of money to spend, right? Mm -hmm. um, so let's say I come together and create this app and I go to the VC country, which is Palo Alto, and I raise $20 million. Well, I'm the CEO and I'm going to pay myself $15 million to develop this app. I have all this money. I need to reinvest it. Mm -hmm. Well, the closest place is either here or where it's cheaper and more efficient. And it talks about, you're talking about return on investment, yield and ROI and all this stuff. It just made sense for people to start going out to Vegas, not necessarily to buy and live there, but buy for Airbnb right. to buy, to rent out for uh, long-term rentals for people that live there because, you know, not everybody can afford to buy a house. And that created uh, what we call Californication. <laughs> <laughs> everybody leaving the California with all this extra money, they're slapping tons of money down because they don't care. I got paid a lot of money. I just sold my house. I made two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 more. I can afford to spend a little bit more money on this house. It doesn't matter to me. Right. Well, that made it really difficult to, for the, the people that live in Vegas and work in Vegas to, to buy a house. It made it very unaffordable for them. However, people from California, they're coming over there and they're slapping tons of money down on speculation and over leveraging themselves because they're thinking Airbnb is the way to go. I can right. buy 10 units and Airbnb it and I'll, everything is going to be fine. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. And it, again, it's proximity to Silicon Valley. Right. 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 You have people sense. from New York buying down in, in Georgia, Alabama. Well, not really Alabama because 
Nobody wants to go to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I have a stepbrother in Alabama. So. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Florida, right? Florida's a destination uh, state. There's a lot to do down there, right? Mm-hmm. You can go down to Miami. You can go down to the Keys. You can go down to Disney World. You can do all sorts of different things. There's all sorts of stuff you can do in Florida, just like it is in California. Right. Um, when we were there two months ago in Cape Coral, there were maybe six or 700 units up for sale in Cape Coral proper, right? Right. That's on the Gulf Coast. It's uh, further south than like Tampa. And it's just this little tiny place. It's a planned development, planned community, but it's really just a big, huge place. Today, I think there was 3,000 units for sale. Wow. I would say that's a lot for a small little place like that, right? Right. For one yeah. city, uh-huh. people bought on spec. And now they're like, oh, shit. I need to get out. I need to get out. Whatever I can do to get out. <clears throat> and they have all these other houses. They have brand new houses. They have older houses from 1960, and they're trying to get rid of them. And um, people are just sitting there watching the market kind of chunk down a little bit, a little bit, yeah. and a little bit. And I see more and more houses. Uh, being decreased in price Mm -hmm. and that's a sheer indicator so what i go through as well on wednesdays is i go through like 10 different cities talk about how many houses are for sale today versus last week and the week before and the week before and then the um, number of houses per square mile and the number of houses available per population per thousand people and that kind of gives you like a, a baseline and understanding of what each city is seeing. So what we're seeing is New York and LA and um, to a certain degree, Las Vegas right now, I think they're just realizing the oh shit things. happening. Right. Yeah. But New York and Los Angeles, uh, they have an abundance of homes for sale mm-hmm. and it's like 20 houses per square mile. Gotcha. Versus San Jose, which is three houses per square mile. Mm-hmm. Right. We have, we now have, the last time I checked, it was about 500 homes for sale, which was three, three months ago, it was 18 <laughs> houses for sale, right? Because houses here in Silicon Valley lasted hours. Yeah. They go quite, once they're posted or available, basically, yeah, people, they're sold. People would call me day and night. Hey, I need to buy this house. What can I do? Blah, 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 blah. Can I send you a DeLorean? <laughs> yeah, right. Anything. <laughs> right. Anything. They were, they weren't bribing me. I was just joking, but sure. you know, it, if you had a listing, you were king. You're king on it, right? And if yeah. you were a buyer, if you were working with a buyer, you knew you were going to write twenty offers, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. And then people just got sick and tired of it, and they're like, "I'm just going to throw four hundred thousand dollars on top of it, just because I need to buy a house now." Which, again, I think that was a little difficult for me to swallow, but sure, yeah. Do you think uh, we? Talk briefly for a second. You brought it up about conservatives and how, whatever maybe politics in general. Yep. And while we're still talking about the inflation side of things and whatnot, a lot of people are blaming the president for who's in office and what's going on with our market. It sounds like you've implied it doesn't have nearly anything to do with that. In your opinion, was that true? Not true? It has everything to do with policymakers, not the politicians. Gotcha. Policy. Once you become elected, you become a policy maker. You become beholden to the people that got you into office. Mm-hmm. So is this come? So okay. So with those policies, is it timing on top of that? Was this inevitable? Could this have yeah. happened with any president? 
It started back in the 70s when Nixon went from gold standard to the fiat currency, which is another story. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. I'm going to be honest. You just hit me with that. And I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> Our money system's broken. The entire global money system's broken. Got it. But the people that are in charge, the president, the premiers, the prime ministers all across the globe, they are still beholden to certain people, whether they're part of the political party or, or other people that are influencing their getting into office, mm-hmm. right? I know it's corruption, but it's just the way it is, right. right? No matter how you look at it. Yep. And Trump or Biden, Republican or liberal or Democrat, it doesn't matter what you are. It's what they're doing is they're throwing little device of bombs to blame you because you're a conservative and you hate me because I'm a liberal right. or whatever. And I'm neither because I see what's going on and all I see is infighting. And when infighting happens, nothing gets done. Right. Exactly. Right. So I'm also an adoptee of a park in San Jose. It's La Colina park. It's 25 and a half acre park. And I see what goes on on the local level on how they handle certain things like we had a grant for $750,000 to improve that park. Right. And all of a sudden within like three months, it dropped down to $375,000. So all that money got away, got just went to other people that were beholden to, so yeah. I don't know exactly what happened and they still swear up and down veto. That was always $375,000. I don't know who told you that I was, I had my budget for this park, not that I could spend it, right? but my budget for this park was $750,000 because I remember being on committees to put in bike ramps for kids, which was going to cost about $250,000 a piece or for the, for that project. But also we have the playgrounds that needed to be redone. We needed new grass and new fence and all this other stuff. And we're over budget. So it was over $750,000. So anyway, talking about the proof of that, but what happens is everything that ever gets done with the government costs three times as much as what it could do in, in, in private Yeah. for you to go and build a house. It would cost you about four or $500,000. If the government did it, it would cost about a million and a half dollars. Right. Right. Tiny houses cost the government $600,000, which is absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. It's because there's, and it's not, our current politicians, although, you know, they're no, they're not guilt. They're not innocent either, but let's just say that San Jose is 150 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know we're in Santa Clara, but this is how every, every business, every city works. They come in and they have this certain set of rules. Right. And then time goes by and they put a new set of rules on to make everybody happy. Right. You're going to have to keep, um, bank robbers from robbing banks and all these other things. So we have to have a police force. So now we have this, we have all these different protections and all these different things. We have to pay for the roads, we have to pay for schools, we have to pay for all these different things. And because the way that set system set up, it just, there's layer upon layer of rules and regulations that make things very difficult to happen in any city yep. in, right. or court County or state or federal government. And mm. it's just, that's how it's always been. And right now we're at a tipping point where it's almost impossible to get anything done in any governmental uh, body. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not 
the Democrats or the Bull Moose Party or the Tea Party or the Republic. It doesn't matter who it is. It's the people that were pulling the strings at the time to make it better for them. Right. So right now we just keep putting, we keep kind of burying the problem, burying the problem. We're printing $7 trillion and we're at a point right now where the economy has to falter. Yeah. Something has to give, right? Something has to give and we can't print money anymore because we have to pay for that. Yeah. Right. New Zealand and Australia were locked down for two years and they had to pay for that. Somebody has to pay for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's the people that have to pay for that. Not the politicians, Mm -hmm. not the policymakers. Canada, Trudeau locked down Canada. You know, I'm Canadian by birth. I don't really know what's going on over there, but I don't care. (laughs) But I know it's the same thing. They locked down that country Hmm. and they had to support the people so that they wouldn't starve. So they printed money and end up in position they are, right? Right. And it's that's a global situation all across the world. Hmm. Vita, I'm blown away with your excessive amount of knowledge, it seems. I feel like you just have knowledge in all things, which <laughs> is Cliff Clavin. <laughs> which it's it's remarkable, really. So here's here's what I'm thinking about from a young guy's perspective. It's so easy to get overwhelmed and even more easy to say, ah, that's not important to me. Not yet. Regarding housing, the market, and everything that you're talking about. It'll yeah, happen you have, soon enough. Well, exactly. It'll happen soon enough. And then it's at that point, I would assume, I'll probably be kicking my present-day self, future self, kicking present-day self, like, man, why didn't you just get more educated? Now you're playing catch-up. So what this all leads to is my question is, what's your advice to the young folks? How do you get involved? Because it's easy because there's a, a sea of information. Where would you recommend starting and piece-by-piece piece learning by and looking for? I would say... Be involved in local community events. Mm-hmm. Know who your council member is. I have my guy on speed dial. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not mine anymore because we switched borders, but that's okay. Um, don't be a squeaky wheel. Be an advocate for that council person. And I don't know how it's set up in Santa Clara, but be an advocate. Become part of uh, the community. And that's really how I live my life. That park that I, that I adopted, we do barbecues, we do movie nights. We do uh, last year, uh, my UPS guy retired after 32 years and I had a big party for him. Oh, that's awesome. Brought a taco guy come in and it was awesome. And that is really how you can make your community better. Right. Mm-hmm. Can I do anything about the roads? Yeah. I can sit there and complain and call the people. I can complain about the homeless. I can complain about the litter on the road and we absolutely should do that. But the more knowledge that we have as a community, we can task different people for different things, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. But what I would also say, because, you know, you're young and your mindset is myopic. It's all about you. Mm-hmm. And the viewers at home watching this video, it's all about you, right? So what can you do for you to make your life more palatable? I would say live below your means. Create a budget. Make a goal in mind to buy a house because I'll tell you right now, buying real estate is that that's fine. But uh, buy buy real estate because that's the number one way to uh, increase your wealth as as a person. Hmm. Because over time, you've seen it. You're, over time, real estate increases in value eight percent consistently. Wow! Right. So save money. Pay yourself first, create a budget, pay off all your bills. Do not live on debt. Do not live on a credit card. Mm -hmm. I did that when I was young. That was stupid, but it was what I knew. I didn't know any better. And 
save money and buy real estate, buy as much real estate as you can, wherever you can and wherever it makes sense. Las Vegas, like except for an example, uh -huh. right? And within 20 years time frame, if you buy a house every year, in 20 years, you're going to have 20 houses and you're going to have half of those paid off. Hmm. It's, it's interesting hearing all that too, because so you're saying buy as much real estate as possible, but that differentiates from the Airbnb side of things, right? right. That's the big no, no. You're kind of getting that correct. But would that, is it the same point for like rental properties though? Not quite Airbnbs, but if you want to buy a home to own it and then you're going to lease it out to someone. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I tell many of my first time buyers to buy a duplex or fourplex and live in one unit because instead of paying $2,500 a month for mortgage in a house or $5,000 a month for mortgage, you're going to be paying about $1,000 because you are buying, let's say you buy a fourplex, right? Mm -hmm. Three of those units are going to go towards paying down the mortgage. And in a year you can move out, you can buy another fourplex or another house or another duplex and you can move out and move into that house. Now you have another renter. You have four people paying down that mortgage. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. I follow you. And is it going to be glamorous living? No, you're going to be a two bedroom apartment, but it's going to get you to the next level and to the next level and to the next level. Next step. If you do it every time for five years, you're going to have five fourplexes. How many houses is that? That's four. <laughs> that's 20 doors paying down your mortgage. And that can all be paid off in like eight or nine years. And guess what? You're going to be making thirty, forty thousand dollars a month in revenue, less costs or whatever. And that is money in your pocket. And then that can go and pay for your bling house. You can go mm -hmm. buy a, you know, a mansion. Well, not a mansion, but a it mansion depends on where you live. Yeah, a mansion compared to your fourplex, I'm sure though. It depends on where you live, right? If yeah. you live here and you want to move to to Morgan Hill, you can buy a really nice house for two million dollars. Yeah. And just imagine, after five years of struggling which are young, you should struggle. Mm -hmm. You have most of everything paid off. You can afford to buy a $2 million house. Right. It sounds like what, so what I'm taking away here is, is again, as I talked about this open of this episode is that's easy to get overwhelmed. Look at when I look at the price tag, just headline price tag. It's like, holy shit. How where am I going to come up with that? Where do you get started? Right? Where do you get started? So as you're saying, those as a stepping stone set up, look at the small piece, small piece, small piece. So you could get to then that big price tag glamour home as you're saying, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. absolutely. And you should have that goal in mind, but understand, yeah, you know what? There's going to be people laughing at you because you live in a two bedroom apartment, but those are not your friends. Those are not your supporters. Yeah. Those right. aren't your tribe. You're going to find people. If you become an investor and you get into the investment world, there's going to be people supporting you and holding you on high saying you are the freaking bomb because you're doing what you need to do mm -hmm. to get to the next level. Right. Right. A yeah. job is a job, right? That's just right now. And you're making money unless you're making 500 grand a year from a job, which there's not very many people. There's a lot of people here in the valley. Yeah, hang on, wait, where are we? <laughs> right. But still, I mean, for the regular Joe, you're not making 500 grand a year. So right. how can you make yourself at, at a point where you can build wealth that you don't have to worry about living? Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about buying a $2 million house. And after you buy that $2 million house, then you can buy a $100,000, $200,000 car. Yeah, exactly. All those guys are going to be paying for you. Exactly. I love it. You know, I, I love your remarkable amount of knowledge is quite incredible. What you've shared and everything you've had here was awesome. I really, I, I thank you a billion times over. Yeah. As we wrap things up here, is there kind of any sort of exiting pieces that you'd like to have here? Anything you'd like to add? 
Um, no, I mean, if you're interested in learning more about real estate, getting started, becoming a first time buyer or investing or what have you, let's go for a cup of coffee or a Slurpee. And a Slurpee on the free Slurpee day. Exactly. <laughs> love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give me a call. <laughs> awesome. I love it. <laughs> well, Vito, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. I really appreciate the, the amount of knowledge that you gave here is just tip the iceberg. It seems, I mean, I can only imagine from what more conversation with you and then going on to your lives on Wednesday on Facebook. I mean, is awesome. So folks. Make sure you guys go check them out on Facebook. I'm going to link it down below so you guys can go. It's real easy. You just got to click on it. And um, you, if you guys support me, just support him, right? So There you go. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate all you guys tuning in to the T-Flip Show. Yet another episode. If you guys like this episode, make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. And then if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, send this over to a friend. If you enjoyed it, chances are a buddy of yours or family member is going to join it. enjoy it just as much. So, folks, thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you on the next one.